Buongiorno, and welcome to the Global Podcast, where we keep you up to date on the latest trends and insights on diplomacy and international development. I'm your host, Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Tecum Global Consultancy, based here in London, which produces this series. In this podcast, I sit down with thought leaders, diplomats, and experts on the field, as well as provide analysis from our own team at Pax to talk more about the need for diplomacy in international development in order to foster political will around greater social impact and good. So grab your headphones and let's get on with the show. On today's episode of the Global Podcast, we're going to bring our focus to the African continent. For years, Africa has seen considerable growth and development, a stark contrast from when The Economist labeled Africa as the hopeless continent back in 2000 to now the aspiring continent in 2013. The paradigm is shifting and all eyes are indeed on the African continent. Businesses from across the globe are hungry to do business, not just in Africa, but with Africans as well. Today, we're going to take a look at the real propeller of this African miracle, the rise of the African entrepreneur, and how this can-do mindset is leading to a wealth of innovation and change for the African people and continent. Joining us today is Simon Duchatelet. From the World Bank Group, now Simone joined the bank back in 2014 and currently works in the finance, competitiveness and innovation global practice of the World Bank, focusing on entrepreneurship and innovation in Africa and the Middle East. Now, before coming to the bank, Simone was a management consultant at Deloitte Africa and worked for a clean tech startup in East Africa, in addition to several volunteer experiences. Simone, welcome to the Global Podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure. Now, let's take a little bit of a step back. Let's really look and see how the growth of uh, African entrepreneurship really began. Because for quite a number of people, this comes at a bit of surprise, which surprises me that they're surprised. But, you know, that's the world. Uh, They're they're confused that Africa has now propelled to this really go-to place for business and such amount of growth because people look at the news, they they see only the negative which comes out, but clearly there's a lot more positive going on to this. So can you explain to us where this all started and began? Yeah, sure. Um, For sure, before uh, before this revolution, there were African entrepreneurs that were creating uh, structured companies, but it remained marginal. And uh, these past few years, we have indeed seen a, a big surge uh, in entrepreneurship in Africa, uh, which is actually closely linked to the continent's uh, macroeconomic situation. So I will tell you a little bit more about that. So uh, according to our viewpoint, there are at least five factors that triggered the, the current revolution that we are seeing. Um, the first one is the economic growth that you, that you mentioned. Uh, actually, seven of the 10 fastest growing economies in the world were African between 2010 and 2015. And uh, despite the variations in, uh, in the commodity prices uh, that we've seen in these years, um, most economies in the continent continue to grow uh, by more than 5% per year. Uh, and it is precisely because the entrepreneurial dynamic is working, because these entrepreneurs are actually uh, emerging. And uh, so another factor I mean, one of the big factors, biggest factors be- behind this uh, this economic growth 
is actually the booming internal internal consumption market in Africa. Mm. So as you might know, uh, there is currently a demographic boom in, uh, on the continent uh, with 2.5 billion inhabitants uh, projected by uh, 2050 and 4 billion by, 2000, uh, by, by the end of the century uh, with a strong uh, part of it being uh, young people, people between 15 and 24 years old. These young people, they will represent uh, 41% of the population and uh, maybe even uh, more than 50 uh, by 2030. It's impressive, actually, because Africa is booming both economically and also population-wise, as, 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 as you've just indicated. I mean, there's indicators of Lagos becoming the largest, most populated city in the world, I think reaching about 500,000 by 2050, if I'm not mistaken, or probably got even the year wrong. But it, Exactly. It, is this going to be a way in which... Uh, Africa can solve, or African states, excuse me to, 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 to correct that, African states can really uh, solve this population boom because obviously with extra growth means more adults, means more jobs needs to be needed, means, you know, Houston, we have a problem. So can this be one way of, of really targeting that? I mean, Surely, um, this is, uh, I mean, the demographic boom is both part of the, of the problem and the solution, uh, because this uh, will propel, uh, again, a consumption market. So uh, this uh, demographic boom will help a middle class emerge, uh, representing a, a huge consumption market for entrepreneurs to, to sell to. Mm. And um, actually, uh, the solution is also yeah, entrepreneurship because... Uh, Emerging African entrepreneurs uh, will uh, create uh, some of the jobs that will be needed, and uh, for that they will they will be needing, uh, of course, uh, many things uh, that are not yet in place today, uh, but that are emerging. These are entrepreneurship support, uh, investments, and uh, regulations that will uh, help uh, create a condu conducive environment for them. And really got to bring much more opportunities for the youth as it goes forward. And, and now taking another step back again and, and then looking at the, what is the startup in Africa. Uh, just wondering, you know, what are the key differences then between startups in the African continent and those that say within the European continent? What are the key characteristics? Because all eyes are too, truly uh, turning towards them. I have seen even multiple uh, groups, even here in London where we're based, which is trying to entice uh, many British-based uh, startups actually partner with African startups themselves. So what is that key characteristic and, and are there differences between the two? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, indeed. So I, I would say um, that in Africa, it's not difficult to find an idea, a business idea, uh, because you just need to, to look around you and uh, there are so many products and services that, uh, that should exist, mm. that don't exist and that have never been created. Uh, so, or uh, an alternative is that you look at the list of products imported uh, into customs mm -hmm. <laughs> and you find opportunities. But the real difficulty is, of course, the implementation of the idea, mm. which is, uh, yeah, which faces many hurdles. So the hurdles include, of course, a difficult business environment mm. with uh, burdensome administrations and uh, a lot of informality, mm. uh, the weak infrastructure, uh, Basic infrastructure such as uh, such as road and power, 
but also internet quality for mm. tech entrepreneurs, uh, an under-trained workforce that uh, entrepreneurs have to train themselves, uh, the lack of quality uh, business support services, uh, and the lack of access to financing. Anyway, many, many uh, difficulties uh, in the implementation, while uh, in Europe, it's quite the opposite, actually, uh, because uh, what we see is that it takes a lot of creativity to find the right idea uh, with a lot of uh, potential. But then, when you find the idea, the implementation is uh, a bit easier mm. uh, because there is a lot of public money that has been invested to facil facilitate uh, access to financing. There has, a, has been a lot of effort to, by uh, institutions such as incubators and mm. hubs to, to help entrepreneurs uh, get trained and uh, get support. So, uh, yeah, I would say that's the, the major, major difference. And to me, uh, maybe more personally speaking, mm -hmm. um, why as a European, uh, I prefer working in the ecosystem in Africa. I think it's because uh, the startups that we see and the entrepreneurs that we see in Africa, uh, they well often address fundamental and what I call real world mm -hmm. problems. It's not nice to have. In Europe, uh, I often uh, quote this example, which is uh, the startup uh, called Wag Labs. Uh, they developed a smartphone app to connect uh, dog walkers and dog owners, <laughs> and they raised 300 million, um, 300 million dollars. Mm. And this represents actually uh, one third of all the venture capital funds that uh, were raised in 2018 in Africa. But in Africa, like the startups that um, that raise money, they develop crucial solutions to real uh, real problems, and uh, I can give more exam examples if you want uh, afterwards. But just one, for example, is City Taps, mm. which is trying to give access to clean water to the poorest uh, based on a pay-as-you-go solution. And so this is this is very uh, <laughs> different from uh, what we see. Uh, yeah, in Europe, I would say. Definitely. This is really uh, a source of uh, motivation, I would say. Uh, definitely so, a source of motivation, and, and I can't help but, but, but silently laugh when, when, I, when you tell me that because it reminds me of the saying uh, of what's called, quote-unquote, uh, first-world problems because, you know, of course, here we are, me, um, myself being in London and yourself uh, being in Paris – you know, if you happen to have a dog, sure, having a dog walker app sounds absolutely fantastic. But then if one really thinks about it, if you happen to be in Lagos or you happen to be in Khartoum or you happen to be in in Addis Abeba, uh, I think there are, you know, you have other issues to really think about beyond <laughs> dog walking. So it, it, it's indeed that whole, you know, the, the opportunity is really in the dynamics. So I'm, I'm quite take I'm quite taken aback that how difficult it is for the um, African entrepreneur to really get the get the the idea and the whole thing. Uh, you know, funded and running, given the need for it. But then that takes me then to this next question, because I'm, I'm curious in regards to where governments in Africa have been to really then support entrepreneurs really become a part of the economic success story. Because if we think about it, the entrepreneurs in these in many emerging economies in many, many developing um, regions, tend to uh, provide a solution to something which the government is either uh, failing to address for their own reasons, which are copious, or simply didn't understand how to go about doing it, and, and therefore needed this 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 fresh blood to to provide that. Uh, what what has been the role of governments in this? 
<laughs> Tough question, especially for someone working for the World Bank because uh, our clients are governments. Oh, right. Well. So I, I might I might be a bit tough on our clients right now, but um, I'll try to, to give an honest uh, answer to your question. So I would say first and foremost that um, much more is being done by governments for large companies. Um, and actually, this what is being done for large companies can actually... Uh, um, at, be harmful, be harmful to entrepreneurs themselves. Mm. For example, uh, tax measures uh, that are taken in favor of uh, large companies and are not, that are not taken in, fa in favor of uh, small companies. Um, and this is because uh, large companies have more resources uh, and uh, they have access to uh, ministerial cabinets and um, they understand how to, uh, to, get, uh, to get benefits from uh, the government. Mm. While actually startups and entrepreneurs and SMEs, uh, they are the ones who suffer most from uh, public sector failures. Mm. Uh, and they would need uh, specific measures uh, of support and help. And, uh, but actually, I would say, uh, for a from a government point of view, it's more politically rewarding to uh, address a few large companies than to address thousands of entrepreneurs that are less organized as of now, less syndicated, and uh, who do not represent a uh, sig significant electoral weight. Um, but uh, that said, as of today, uh, to be honest, the entrepreneurs, uh, the entrepreneurial uh, revolution that we are seeing is not the product of uh, government uh, measures. It's almost, uh, yeah, it's a product of the macroeconomic situation as I was saying before. Mm. Uh, but right now to really, uh, for the entrepreneurs really to take off in Africa, Governments need to, to play a, a bigger role. And um, I would say that uh, the role that they have to play is not only uh, in the design of uh, pro-entrepreneurship policies, pro-entrepreneurship measures, but actually in the implementation. Because right now, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, in Africa, we see a lot of rhetoric around the topic of entrepreneurship on tech, on digital. Mm. But so the language is perfect. All governments are more and more saying that uh, they are in favor of entrepreneurship and that they want to see SME development and they come up with strategies and programs that are very well written actually, mm. very right on point. But the gap with implementation is still huge. Uh, and this is partly because in Africa, entrepreneurship is a world that uh, public administrations know little about. Mm. And of course, entrepreneurs know also little about public administrations. So this doesn't help. But um, yeah, so it's right now it's very necessary to uh, to give priority to uh, the quality of uh, the entrepreneurship uh, measures and entrepreneurship policies that are taken, um, and to to give priority to implementation rather than seeking a quantity of measures, yeah, of poor quality. Exactly. Just looking at the quality beyond the quantity, because the the, the countries and and I can understand because you know I have a political mindset and I have experience as well working with governments and with PACs, our consultancy firm. We deal very closely with governments and actually we help uh, entrepreneurs and businesses engage with them because there really is a whole paradigm shift in regards to or not a paradigm shift, excuse me, a whole mentality uh, difference between how the government thinks operates, you know, what they measure success as and what the business is seeing as success and you know we find ourselves telling the governments when we engage with the importance of the startup because yeah you know they're small fry today 
But give them a few years and they're going to be a huge whale. And you really, really, really want to ride on the back of that whale. Uh, and it and it's trying to look at the long-term picture beyond the, you know, this is what I achieved in my term. And this isn't just the problem within African governments, but this is in any government, whether it's in Europe or uh, Indeed. North America. It's everywhere. Mm. Yeah, no, sorry. I want I wanted just maybe to uh, to say one last thing about the government so mm-hmm. that I, I, I give a, a fair uh, image. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, some African governments have uh, have recently, very recently, been uh, proactive in uh, finding uh, concrete solutions uh, for the entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship agenda. Mm. Uh, and I can give uh, one example, which Please. is uh, it's not Sub-Saharan Africa, but still it's Africa. It's Tunisia. Right. Uh, that has uh, that passed uh, a law in two thousand. 18, maybe you've heard of it. Mm. It's uh, the Startup Act. Yes. Uh, and it's actually very concrete. And it was passed in Parliament. And now it's being implemented. Um, it's been implemented for uh, for a few weeks now uh, because the implementing decrees have passed. Everything have pa- has passed. So it's not a pure theory anymore. And actually, we've, we are seeing that uh, several West African governments are now following uh, the same path to uh, to get Startup Acts uh, out uh, on to help entrepreneurs through these uh, policies, and um, to give a, a bit uh, of details about what the Startup Act is, it's actually a, a very holistic policy mm. uh, supporting entrepreneurs uh, in different ways, such as with um, tax exemptions, uh, help in uh, registering patents, or even sometimes uh, some subsidies or some uh, specific funding for for entrepreneurs uh, at early stage. Okay. So we are quite happy to see uh, this move. And uh, so this is uh, definitely a, a way to go. It definitely is a way to go. And at least it gives some hope. Well, th- there is definitely hope, but it, at least it shows <laughs> that, okay, there is, you know, there, there are some governments that are putting the, uh, that are doing it right, one can say. And hopefully this will be a trickle down uh, sort of uh scaling where other governments will say oh that looks brilliant let's take that on i mean i can see rwanda probably doing that something like that or even ethiopia who've been or senegal who've been really 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 uh pumped uh to to, to invest in that at least from 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 what i have seen on my end Indeed. and at mm-hmm. pax so uh, now let's take a little bit to you know you've mentioned about about the world bank and and you know your involvement with there so uh, let's take a look at the role of the world bank and african entrepreneurs you know what has it been doing to really accelerate them to the next level in that sense yes very good question um so the first answer would be uh, to mention that uh, the World Bank has conducted activities dedicated to improving the business and investment climate in general uh, for private sector development. Um, it's been doing that for a long time uh, through structural projects and reforms. Um, and it's also, uh, of course, uh, been carrying out uh, projects that are critical actually to entrepreneurs, uh, uh, which are indirecting, indirectly uh, supporting them. Uh, such as projects in infrastructure, in education, and other for national sectors. So that's for the big picture. But then, when we come back to uh, to entrepreneurship per se, uh, more specifically, uh, I would say that in the international development aid community in general, so including the World Bank, awareness of the importance of entrepreneurship is quite recent, paradoxically, uh, compared to more traditional subjects, such as education and health. Uh, so dedicated funding instruments and support mechanisms are therefore very recent uh, in that field. And just, uh, again, to keep the big picture as a reminder, uh, the World Bank's core mandate, uh, which represents 99% of our budget, is to support governments. Mm. Uh, so what we do in the entrepreneurship space is that we help governments 
help entrepreneurs. So it's a bit difficult to uh, to understand, uh, but that's our common date. Well, that's so, an important one anyways. It's important yeah, for them yeah. to, to get that link and that reminder because if everything else the government has, you know, getting that reminder is, oh, yes, from, from an entity like the World Bank, can at least kind of push them uh, in that in that direction. Mm. Yes, yes. So, um, so at first, uh, before actually helping the governments uh, help the entrepreneurs, uh, the World Bank has piloted a lot of entrepreneurship ecosystem activities in Africa. Uh, it was mainly through uh, the InfoDev program. Um, so this uh, this was a program uh, through which the World Bank could directly uh, create mechanisms to support entrepreneurs as a um, as a means of testing new mechanism to understand better uh, what the ecosystem needed and how to help it. So this uh, this was uh, uh, this took the shape of uh, programs such as uh, support to incubators and hubs, uh, support to entrepreneurship competitions. Uh, Trying to come up with uh, with ways to uh, to do diagnosis of uh, entrepreneurship ecosystems. Uh, so for years, uh, the World Bank has piloted such approaches. But um, actually, uh, right now, I mean, the past few years, beyond uh, these solutions uh, that actually mainly addressed uh, the the need uh, for business support services and for uh, coaching. Uh, now, uh, what we see at the World Bank, uh, as many other development agencies, is that the entrepreneurial dynamic in Africa it needs, above all, support on access to financing, on adapted financing, just that, such as uh, VC funding and uh, seed funding. So what we are right now trying to focus on, on the, trying to, uh, to come up with uh, solutions on, is uh, the VC funding and the seed funding hmm. in Africa. So um, I can tell you a, a little bit more about that if you want. Please, please be my guest. <laughs> so um, actually, I will come back to the, the problem of the, the seed funding, maybe to understand better uh, what the solutions uh, we are thinking of. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so in terms of, uh, of what we are seeing in Africa, the, the main hurdles uh, of the African entrepreneurs right now, really the seed funding, the funding at seed stage is, uh, is one of the main hurdles. Um, we are only at the beginning of uh, the entrepreneurial revolution. And um, what we see today in terms of support and financial support especially is very insufficient. Mm. Uh, if, we lead, if we leave it at that, uh, if we don't provide more support, we'll have some success stories, some really cool startups and some great events, but there will be no structural change uh, in Africa because mm. the vast majority of entrepreneurs will have no access to uh, the financing, the need to grow. So... Um, so really, like the the problem uh, that we are trying to to uh, to address is uh, in this context is uh, what we call the valley of death, mm. and it's actually a, a valley that is really uh, known everywhere in the world. Even in Europe, I'm sure startups face this valley of death, but uh, in Africa, it's uh, it's even more uh, acute. Uh, so this is uh, the moment uh, between when the entrepreneurs. Uh, has its own resources from family or friends to uh, to use uh, for its startups, and when uh, it gets financially financially viable to attract investors. So this shortage of financing it starts uh, from around twenty thousand dollars and it goes until uh, one million dollars. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are trying to to address at the World Bank. Uh, that's the core core need of the ecosystems right now in Africa. Uh, well, clearly in regards to that fact. 
that can not only enhance the potential for startups in Africa, but it can actually really, really, really then take it to the next level in that sense. I want to just spin it a bit in regards to looking at success stories that you know you, you've been mentioning and and see if we can highlight a few more because you know we've seen the success stories of or those of us who were within the African scene uh, of those such as Mpesa in Kenya who have really revolutionized the way banking can be done. And we're seeing a number of them, particularly from Nigeria, from Ghana. I mean, the, the, the level of innovation and success stories are coming out. It's impossible to, to really track. Uh, in that case, you know, are there any key success stories that you have noticed as well, apart from the ones that you just mentioned, but the ones that you within the World Bank have been seeing in the region that you feel can really become a game ch- changer uh, within the course of the years, that, that you feel that one should really keep an eye out the way Impesa really raised to such a level in Kenya and beyond? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, we are lucky enough to, to see many of these game changers. Uh, so I, I can tell you a little bit more. Um, so first of all, I, I would invite the, the audience uh, to check the startups that were selected in the two editions of uh, the World Bank's acceleration program, Excel Africa. Uh, so everything is available online. And, uh, in these editions, uh, we, uh, we selected uh, 20 startups in each of the editions. Um, and I would say that the selection was really rigorous. So these uh, 40 startups in total are supposed to be really game changers. So I can give you a little uh, example. For example, it's nice. um, Jamie in, mm. uh, in Tanzania. Uh, they are reinventing uh, the model of micro-insurances, micro-health insurances. Mm. And uh, they not only target Tanzania, but they want to, to scale throughout East Africa and then Pan-African. So this is really a model we, we strongly believe in. And then the, there is also Rensource, which is uh, in the energy industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are building micro-utilities for off-grid energy mm. uh, in Nigeria at first. But again, they want to, to go Pan-African very soon. And then, more recently, uh, in the latest uh, edition, uh, there was SuitPay. Uh, they are developing a tax collection solution, digital solution, and uh, thereby uh, they significantly increase uh, the city's tax revenues. And uh, when we say more tax revenues, we also say uh, more public investments in schools and in hospitals. So it's these few models uh, are great examples of uh, future game changers, I would say. I can really see the whole tax one really be, <laughs> really being taken on by lots of countries in that sense to really make sure everybody gets their taxes in. But definitely it could put then the citizens then in power because, yes, the taxes are being collected, but now perhaps by the app, does it give, does it give citizens then a way to hold uh, you know, those w- within the power structure to say, okay, we, you know, we've paid such taxes, you know, let's see that hospital being built or let's see that park or let's see that road does it does it provide that or is it completely a different route i think it's definitely in the plans and that's the, the beauty of the digital uh, tools that they, they've built i think it's greatly flexible mm. and that should be the next logical step to actually show uh, to people that it's worth paying uh, taxes you're completely right no it's, it's really that 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 I, I i will personally keep an eye out for that as well too and i'll make sure that we incorporate a link um to the page of uh, the startup accelerator from the world bank uh on the description of the episode i i, I then want to bring this into the final question uh and that's to really bring everything to to the full circle again with with the global podcast you know mandated by pax and global consultancy the firm 
which supports this, it's all about diplomacy and international development. It's all about fostering sustainable development, uh, linking business and governments, and really trying to see where this can go. So to take this back a step and, and bring it on a sustainable, holistic look, what impact can entrepreneurship have in sustainable development for the country in which they find themselves, in this case, for the African country which they find themselves? What, uh, what's, what's the potential that it has for that? Yeah, I mean, they definitely have a, a big impact. Um, they are transforming, uh, actually, their environments, uh, not only providing profit and uh, dividends to investors, but they are also addressing critical social issues. So uh, that's what we, uh, we, we mentioned uh, previously with uh, the few sta- examples of startups. But uh, really, like, on clients, they have a huge impact. They meet crucial social needs, such as access to financial services, access to energy and water, uh, waste management. On clients, it's really clear and it's really uh, logical. And then, they can also have uh, an impact on other companies, uh, thanks to better B2B, uh, business-to-business products and services uh, that can strengthen their competitiveness uh, and that uh, can build reliable suppliers. Then, they can also have an impact, as we said before, on the youth, uh, whose size is massively skyrocketing in Africa because of the demographic boom. And uh, for whom entrepreneurs can create formal employment uh, in African companies, not informal uh, employment that is really uh, unavailable. So this is unprecedented because for for very long, actually, in Africa, informal employment has been the rule. And then I would say the last uh, the last impact, the last actor which will be impacted will be the state uh, through taxation. And uh, when we say the state again that uh, collects more tax it means that the public services will be impacted. So indirectly uh, or directly, entrepreneurs in Africa have have a huge impact. A huge impact, and it's going to be really interesting then to see what that next Economist cover is going to look like, because going from the hopeless continent to the inspiring continent, I have a huge feeling it's going to say Africa has arrived, because at this point, Africa is truly truly on the cusp of something and i think it's really exciting but from your end from the world bank and of course from my end from 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 pax and how we're just engaging with the continent to just really see where it goes and and to the audience listening we really i mean i i can't i can't not encourage enough to really not only look at the dynamics of africa but beyond you know with the businesses but also in regards to the media i mean from everything they're really coming into their own and uh this is really the african moment so uh, Simon, it has been a pleasure having you to talk about this and really get hopefully the excite uh, the audience excited and pumped up about what's really going to be the the African decade. Thank you so much. My pleasure. That brings us to the end of this edition of the Global Podcast. I'm Jesu Antonio Baez, director of Pax Tech and Global Consultancy, which produces this series. Please do check out our website at www.paxtechandglobal.org. That's P A X. T-E-C-U-M-G-L-O-B-A-L dot org to discover more about our work. You can also follow this podcast and the work of PAX on both Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you like this podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and of course subscribe on both Spotify and Apple Podcast. Join us next week for another edition. And until next time, grazie e ci sentiamo presto. Ciao!